Hello and welcome to Daily Coffee with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is Tuesday, October 29th, and we are happy that you're joining us. Hello, hey, Carter. Carrie. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. We kind of have, we have power today. Uh, sorry for missing Kofefe yesterday, everyone, but uh, <clears throat> California is a third world country, so we have no power sometimes. We may not have power tomorrow, so there may not be a Kofefe tomorrow. I can't yeah. believe this is happening. Explain again why. Well, I haven't done a lot of research, although I have, uh, I do have a few tabs open because I kind of want to do a little bit more research. So take what, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. This is based on a preliminary overview. But from as far as I can tell, um, there's, there's two contributing factors. One is uh, PG&E, which is the electric company, <clears throat> has been horribly mismanaged. Now, that mismanagement, some of it you can chalk up to uh, bad direction from governments and other people. Remember that it's not a, it's not a, one, one private company does not a free market make. It's not actually a free market, right? They have a, they have a monopoly. It's a government guaranteed monopoly. There's rules. They, they have to follow rules and, and do a bunch of stuff. There's price controls sometimes, but they spent an inordinate amount of money in the last several decades from what I can tell focused on, um, sustainability and green energy and initiatives like that and that kind of crap. They also spent a lot on lobbying, especially last year, crap loads of money on lobbying, um, presumably to try and get uh, the regulators to, you know, make rules that they like. I'm not sure. So they spent a lot of money on that. What they haven't spent money on is maintaining equipment that's been decades aging for decades out in the field. So that's one issue from what I can tell. And the other is that California has been uh, lax in forest management. So one of the things that you do is you like you get rid of the the brush and the ground covering in forest areas if there's if it's a high likelihood of forest fire, and that helps the fire to not spread. But California has has basically not done that at all um, for quite some time, and so the combination of those two things means the power lines are more likely to. Um, fall during winds because they're not being maintained and the fires are more likely to be devastating because the forests aren't being maintained and so that's what we've got going on right now and what PG&E is doing is they are shutting off power to certain regions in an attempt to prevent fires from starting that way now most fires don't actually start that way but they do some do um, but but still we've had devastating fires there's massive fires going on in Northern California anyway, even, even though a lot of the um, electricity has been turned off. So um, yeah, it's, it is kind of like living, it's weird. It's weird living in 2019 and getting texts from your electric company. That's like, we're going to turn off power for a few days because wind. Right. Um, But that's, you know, that's where we are. That's amazing. So well, I'm glad you have power today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you wanted to, Carrie, you wanted to talk about something that I, I don't really pay attention to much. I've heard a little bit about it and I've seen some stuff on Twitter, but. Uh... Yes. Well, I saw um, that Kanye West came out with this. Kanye West became a Christian. He, he started talking about his conversion earlier this month. Um, he said he became saved sometime within the past year. And 
he said he's never he's not going to do secular music anymore he's only going to do gospel music from now on and so he released this album which i have a friend who um got to hear an advanced version of it she works at uh the voice and i don't know how but she anyway she got to listen to it and was telling me about it and then it so i was looking forward to it it came out i think it's good um i think it's fascinating because he is so he's such a uh, culturally you know pop culture like relevant figure and he actually in the lyrics sort of uh takes responsibility for contributing to a culture of materialism and nihilism and it is sort of uh i view this album as his is his it's, it's actually almost like a praise album he talks a little bit about Got, you know, getting rid of his idols and stuff, but it, but a lot of the songs are simple praise songs, which I think is really positive and uplifting. And um, anyway, the it's interesting to me for a couple reasons. One is that, of course, the SJW left, the mainstream left, doesn't like this album. And I think even without you having heard the album or heard the criticism, I think you can guess why. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I have. I assume the backlash has been negative, right? I assume there's been a lot of backlash, but has there been? You're saying yes? Well, you know, when he first became a Trump supporter and they there were a flurry of SJW opinion pieces that were calling him crazy and insane. Right. Which is interesting because, again, they are on the SJW left, it's, it's almost as if they are happy to cling to mental illness as some sort of positive part of their identity. Um, but then when someone says something they don't like, and especially if it's a person who is a, in a checks off a marginalized box, you know, it's a black person disagreeing with them, then they're really quick to use mental illness as a sword and say, Oh, he's crazy. And you know, he's insane and that, and write him off in that way. And so that happened back when he became a Trump supporter. I remember that. And, 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 and interestingly, you, they, I think they, they call him crazy only because that's the only ad hominem they can use that that people might potentially swallow. Like, if he were anyone else, they would just say, he's a white supremacist, he's a horrible person. Like, they would use a lot more um, overt moral judgment language, but they know that he's so famous and has so many fans that they won't support moral condemnation, but they might support, like, they're give, they gave him an excuse. Well, he's crazy. He just, like, he just has mental problems, like... That's- well, and that's why, yeah. Well, and to be clear, he has talked about being borderline, not borderline, uh, bipolar. Right. And, uh, but the thing is, who hasn't struggled with mental health issues to some degree in this culture? Like we live in, my opinion on it is, we live in a broken world. If, if you're not affected by that in some way, mentally and emotionally, then something's really wrong with you. <laughs> Like, and bipolar like, disorder doesn't make you like Trump. Those don't go together. No, exactly. They're taking his mental health issues and they're trying to write off his opinions right. as being insane because he's admitted that he has mental health struggles. Well, that's really cheap. And, and I think it's an awful thing to do to someone is to say, well, you're, we're not going to listen to what you have to say because it's, it's truly because they don't like it. It's not because he has, he struggled with bipolar. If he were on the left and all any doing constant interviews about how Trump is a demagogue and he hates Trump, they would not say, don't listen to him. He's crazy. (laughs) They would, they would be supporting him. Right. Yeah. So um, anyway, so this conversion to me was interesting because 
if I, if I compare it to my path, um, I woke up from the delusion of like the woke left. I, I, I had this awakening where I left that ideology behind. And as a, for me, as a part of that transformation, it ended up leading me to God. And this makes total sense to me that he would end up finding God, that he might end up finding God because I think that everybody worships something. And, um, it's funny. There was a guy who wrote this critical comment on my interview with Zuby and it was something to the effect of, uh, this is just a girl who jumps from one type of fundamentalism to another or one type of, you know, ideology to another. And I considered what he said, but I don't think that's true because, um, my current faith in God is not a fundamentalist kind of faith. It's actually a very open-minded kind of faith. I don't know how to explain that, but it's not a rigid, like, um, intolerant. It's not like the SJW left. It's not this rigid, intolerant um, belief system. Um, but also, I just happen to believe that everybody has a God-sized hole in them, and we fill that hole with other things. And so... Um, for me, it's not about just jumping to some other belief system. It's about turning to the one thing that actually can fill that hole instead of filling it with political ideology or, um, you know, a person that you love or alcohol or gambling or, you know, obsessive eating or whatever it is that people fill that hole with. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my perspective on it. I understand why somebody from the outside looking in would probably have the view that that person does about, about my conversion, but it's also hard to explain. A conversion is a personal thing, right? So when I, when I went to this, I've had a couple of moments where I felt God was speaking to me, not like an audible voice. Okay. <laughs> but where it thank just, you for clarifying, by the way. <laughs> but, but this, it's hard to, I mean, I, I had a debate one night with my friend, another friend of mine who's an atheist who comes to civility dinners. And, you know, he has a scientific reason for why I've had these experiences and why he had them in the past because he used to be Christian. But I just don't buy that. Like, and, and you can't, there's no rational way of explaining it. So I don't even try. I just, I just know in my heart that God has spoken to me and that I found, um, I found the thing that could fill that hole and it's, it's a struggle to, to continue. Like just because, just because you found God, like here's the danger with Kanye West now is I think that, and I read a great essay about this from a Christian's point of view, a, a Christian uh, essayist wrote for uh, what article is this? Let's see. Um, it was actually for Yahoo news and it's a piece called, Kanye West conversion could be a cultural wrecking ball by Andrew Walker. But he says at the end, you know, he's just a figure. He's just someone who's found God. Um, In the wake of this news, I have one message message of warning to my fellow Christians about West. There will be a temptation by well-meaning Christians to make him a champion of Christianity. No. And you know, what's funny. I had a friend tell me that too, when I converted because of the podcast and stuff. And he was like, well, I don't know why, but he basically was like, don't let people make you some example of Christianity. And I'm so glad he gave me that caution because I'm a, I'm a broken human still. 
Christianity doesn't make you perfect. <laughs> it all it does is give you um, grace and forgiveness for the sins that are you are going to continue to commit in your unperfect, imperfect path. So, um, anyway, there will be a temptation by well-meaning Christians to make him a champion of Christianity. Christians could easily impute their own cultural insecurities onto West, who is the very definition of a cultural icon. Let's not do that. The Apostle Paul warns in the New Testament about vesting too much hope and confidence in new converts, fearing that they would be puffed up with pride, something, let's be honest, that Kanye has no problem exuding. (laughs) We need to let Kanye be a Christian Kanye without making him into a Christian celebrity. I thought that was really kind of brilliant. But anyway, I'm kind of rambling. What do you you think about all this? (laughs) Uh, Well, First of all, uh, I I never listened to Kanye. <laughs> I, I I never ever I don't even know if I could name one Kanye West song. I never listened to Kanye, um, so I don't particularly like his music. I've never particularly liked his music. Uh, I get that he's famous. I barely know that he's married to Kim Kardashian, but that's about the extent generally of my Kanye knowledge. Um, and obviously, I'm also an atheist, which we we've talked about, but. Um, I do think there's something, it's not surprising to me that the social justice people are angry at this. And I, I did watch a couple snippets of interviews with him and something that, you know, I was thinking to myself, what, what's so, what's so wrong with Kanye being a Christian? Like what, why are they so upset about it? And I think if you can really look at there's some obvious things and then there's, and then there's maybe a more subtle answer that I came up with. The obvious things to me are that he is now actively, actively arguing for and actively promoting behavior that the anti-Western civilization left would is trying to eradicate. So for example, he, in, in one interview, someone asked him how he spends his evenings, right? How do, hey, how do you and Kim spend your evenings, right? And I think the interviewer expected, you know, what kind of clubs do you want to go to or what, like, what, kind of, what wild things do you do, you know, rich man? And his answer was, I like to spend them with my family at home and I, we have dinner and she watches Dateline and I read the Bible and we go to bed. Um... <laughs> Like it was a very like traditional family thing. And then they talked about children and Kanye said, I think he has three or four children, four maybe now. I don't know. Three. It doesn't matter. He has some number of children, but he said he would want, he wants more children. He wants seven children. And, and the more children, the better children are a blessing. Children are great. Again, this runs uh, contrary to the, the ideology of the people who are trying to destroy the West, right? They're telling you to not procreate children are bad, uh, you know, overpopulation and all this other crap. They don't want you to procreate. They don't want to have uh, stable two parent families that eat dinner, read the Bible and go to bed and put the kids to bed and go to bed. Like that's not what they want. That's not the, that's not what they're trying to do. We talked about it actually. um, I think it was Gracie and I talked about on Friday uh, 
how much the it might have been Mikey on Thursday. I don't remember. I'm sorry, but how how much the the left really wants to tear down the family and tear down the traditional, um, basically just tear down the nuclear family, right? And 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 take the kids out of the family environment to be raised, have them indoctrinated by the state, um, have a much more communist centric approach to raising kids. When and the communists, you know, were very much about it doesn't matter who the parents are, right? The, the goal is just the kids are kids of the state, right? Not, not in the family. So it's, it's the families are the, um, families are a really good weapon against this ideology. And he's promoting family values now, which is not something that you expect a rapper to do, right? The rappers, rappers are, and he talked about this. You're not allowed to rap about God. You're only ra- allowed to rap about violence and sex and drugs and all this other stuff, but you know, you're not allowed to rap about God. And he's right about that. And I think, you know, the, the radical left likes rapping about violence and sex and drugs and nihilism. Because generally. it is a nihilist belief system. Yes. Yeah. But, but now but he, he's, he's not. He's not. Yeah, I saw where I read a little bit of his interviews too. I didn't watch the video, but I read where he was talking about um, fatherhood being so being a virtue and being so important. Oh, and, I didn't see that one. Interesting. Yeah, he talked about fatherhood. And in another interview, he talked about abortion and specifically in the black community, how many um, babies are aborted every year. And he talked about the Demo- – he did talk about politics again, about Democrats um, using the black – community and using the black vote. And that's a very un-PC thing to say. It's very, the, and of course the left hates that and rejects that. But I think he's right. I think, you know, if you look at this, the rate of fatherlessness in the home, and not just in the black community, it's risen in the white community too, but it's risen exponentially. It's risen more in the black community. And I think it's as a result of these well-intentioned policies like welfare, which are supposed to help people. And all they've done is destroy the family. And he to have a, a figure as famous as him talking about this has got to be um, really threatening to the blue check marks, you know, to the blue cathedral, to the people who push this one narrative in the in the in the pursuit of power. I think they push it in the pursuit of power. I do. I think there are a lot of well-intentioned people pushing it too, but the but they're not the archetypes of it. The archetypes of it push it for power. And then you, they get all of these well-meaning people who aren't really conscious, who aren't living in conscious in, in who aren't living in a way that's awake, put it that way to what's going on. And so they push it as well. And um, yeah, anyway, I, I like it. I like the lyrics. There's one song in particular. So even the ones that aren't criticizing him like hardcore are still criticizing the album and telling you it's bad. Like there's this one, um, it says, you know, he found inspiration in, in God and then produced his least inspired album, you know, <laughs> and they just kind of have these criticisms of how this is why the albums, the songs aren't good. The music aren't good. Very uninspired. Somebody said that the lyrics were um, just, uh, uh, I forget how they phrased it, but one of the pieces I read basically said, it's just a bunch of uh platitudes like christian platitudes that he's recycled well it's not if you believe these words that's i'm sure it appears that way to someone who's not a christian um and who and who abhors christianity not like you i mean you're an atheist but you don't abhor christianity um there's this one part can i read this one part he says um 
he talks about how he worked for Satan for so long, which makes so much sense to me. Um, he talks about Jesus saving him and how it's, it's the force of God that picked me up. I know Christ is the fountain that filled my cup. I know God is alive. He has opened up my vision, giving me a revelation. This ain't about a damn religion. Jesus brought a revolution. See, I really like that lyric too, because sometimes when I talk to people about my new beliefs, they are like, oh, well, I'm not religious or, oh, I don't like religion. I'm like, well, I don't like religion either. <laughs> I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself a Christian and I, I see a big difference between those two things. I, but anyway, um, he says, uh, all the captives are forgiven, time to break down the prisons. Every man, every woman, there is freedom from addiction. Jesus, you have my soul, Sunday service on a roll. All my idols, let them go. All the demons, let them know. This is a mission, not a show. I love that part too. This is my eternal soul. This is my kids. This is the crib. This is my wife. This is my life. This is my God-given right. Thank you, Jesus, won the fight. And it's just, it's just, it's positive and it's, I disagree with the reviews that have said that it's not introspective or that he's just singing platitudes. This song is very personal. He's singing about letting his idols go. He's singing about uh, no longer serving Satan, however you interpret that to mean, you know, but no longer, he's talked about in the interviews, like how we worship materialism and, and he's turning away from that. And so one of the critical reviews I read said something similar to the guy who criticized my interview with Zuby, who said like, oh, well, he's just replaced worshiping um, materialism for worshiping God. And it's like, so? <laughs> Isn't it better to worship God than to worship things? So? Yeah. I, well, I, I think, you know, one thing that, um, one thing that makes him particularly dangerous is that He's not just someone who's coming along singing about these things. He's someone who has achieved the utmost success in, sec in the secular society that anyone could hope for, right? So it's not like he speaks out of ignorance, right? He's had all of the material success that he's, he's seen heaven of the secular world, right? He's not, it's not like he's suffering. It's not like he's in prison, serving a life sentence, and then he converts to Jesus. He's, he's gotten every possible thing materially that anyone could possibly wish for. And, and like, he's got the success. Everything he's, that, seen, he's seen the heaven of the secular left and found it wanting. Right. And I think that's what makes him particularly dangerous. One, one thing I, uh, I just want to point out, I know that you like to say that they're good intentioned policies, and I'm sure some people have good intentions that push the policies. I just like to remind people. Um, there's the quote that's attributed to LBJ. It's not clear, um, but even Snopes admits that this sounds like something he would have said. So he was speaking about welfare. I'll have those N-words voting Democrat for 200 years. That's the intent. Um, here's a quote from his autobiography. These Negroes, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us since they've got something now they've never had before, the political pull to back up their uppityness. Now we've got to do something about this. We've got to give them a little something, just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference. So that's it about welfare. It's not all good intentions, just to be clear. Uh, and if I were an African-American looking back at history, reading some of the things that people who 
implemented these policies said openly, I would have a real hard time believing modern Democrats mean well, whether or not some of them do. And so I don't blame, I don't blame Kanye for looking at that and saying, this is what you guys have been doing. But I, there's a more subtle thing that I, I think. So I talked about the family and, and, and that kind of stuff. But Carrie, I think there's a, something a little bit deeper here about why social justice warriors hate Kanye doing this. And I want to see, I want to bounce this off of you and see if you agree. Okay. The social justice mentality is based on the idea that your, um, your sense of self-worth and your moral, your, your, your compass for right and wrong and your sense of, of self-acceptance and self-worth are entirely dependent on approval from the social justice mob. So it is not, it's, it's, it's not just adherence to the doctrine, but it's, here, it's adherence to the social justice doctrine as judged by your fellow peers. There's no respect for someone who stands alone and says, I think I'm implementing social justice correct. If the mob goes after them, then they're wrong and get torn down. It's very, um, it's very like social metaphysics, right? It's very much about um, bowing to the will of the mob. And we've talked before about them not really having principles, but changing sometimes their requirements and, and verifying that people will change with them just to, just to show that they can exercise control over you. That you've got you've to agree with what they say the latest thing is. And if you don't, if you do, then past sins for not agreeing have been for, are forgiven because that's not what they used to say. But now that they say it, you've got you've to switch. And one thing about, you know, I, I picture Kanye saying to people in an interview, I'm, I read the Bible before I go to bed, right? Um, and, and I have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Now, again, as an atheist, I'm not advocating for personal relationships with Jesus. But what I, what I think this does mean, and something that is uh, part of the tradition of at least Protestant Christianity, is the idea that your redemption and your, uh, yeah, your redemption is, is an issue between you and God. It's a personal issue. And it's not something that involves other people. It makes you immune to the mob. So if, you know, if Kanye reads the Bible and decides that he's going to behave in a way that he believes is moral and just, he ha if that's where he's getting his direction, then it means he's not getting it from the mob. And yes. it means he's immune to that that crazy social metaphysics. And I would argue that some atheists are as well, but they need to have a moral code that they're following. But Kanye, this is a very clear, this is an easy moral code that anyone can pick up without a lot of work in philosophy. It's right there. It, the Bible is written and it's available in every bookstore and on Amazon. It's very easy to get. And there's a moral code and there's a long tradition and there's a lot of people who help you with that tradition. And it flies in the face of the idea that your morals are determined democratically. Yeah. Or by, by the culture. He, he, um, there's another song on there. That's the, it's, it made me laugh when I first heard it. It's called closed on Sunday. And the chorus is closed on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, of course, they 
really don't like that song. And I saw one of the reviews um, basically say he's endorsing bigotry, which again is so stupid. And I, I love that he included that verse because Chick-fil-A does not endorse bigotry. And if you believe that they do, you've bought into a lie because the owners are Christian and they have certain beliefs about what constitutes a sin. They don't endorse bigotry. They don't discriminate against people that they hire. They don't discriminate against people that they serve. They, you know, and so, so this whole wrath of like, we will close down every Christian business is, that is, a, that is a hateful, that is, that is bigotry. That is bigotry against Christian beliefs. And it, once again, people, it's projection. They're, they're calling Chick-fil-A bigots because they themselves are bigots. And they, it's not enough for them that they don't have to believe what the owners of Chick-fil-A believe, that everybody's free to believe that what they want to believe. It's not enough for them that despite the religious beliefs, Chick-fil-A doesn't discriminate and doesn't, you know, engage in bigotry. It, they are such bigots, they have to shut them down. They are so intolerant. They have to try and shut them down. And so I like that he included that lyric. It's a little bit of a troll, but um, in it, that song, what'd you say? It is a little bit of a troll. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. so in that song too, I love it. He says, um, close, well, close on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. That's the course. Hold the selfies, put the gram away, get your family. Y'all hold hands and pray. When you've got daughters, always keep them safe. Watch out for vipers. Don't let them indoctrinate. Right. Closed on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with the lemonade. Raise our sons. Train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus. Listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We're nobody's slaves. I mean, those are great lyrics. They are. And it's, it's again, underscoring, underscoring this idea. So there's evidence to me that Kanye is starting to see the controlling nature of culture. Um, and bucking that's why he used the word like revolution in those lyrics that you just uh mm -hmm. mentioned he talks about control he is um he's seeing that the culture is controlling people through manipulation to get them to do things um and i and i think he's really starting to waking up he's waking up to feeling controlled um he even just a, even a simple thing there was a so he has like a multi-thousand acre ranch in wyoming and he was talking about leaving Calabasas and I guess he had a dome. He had like a few hundred acres in Calabasas. That was his own. Um, and in Calabasas, in this few hundred acre uh, property he had, he constructed a dome. And I guess the city or government went after him and said, your dome's 10 feet too high after it was constructed. We're going to make you tear it down. And they, they did a whole PR thing and press about it. And it was interesting to listen to him talk about this because he was very sensitive to the fact that like, this is just about control. It's my own 300 acres. What the hell does 10 feet too high have to do with anything for anyone? It's not like it's, you know, it can't be blocking anyone's view. It's not in anyone's, it's his own property, right? And it's, he's got plenty of land around it, but this is about control. And I think he's, and, and he cited that as one of the reasons why he decided to move to Wyoming, right? So- yeah. It's, I think he's just kind of waking up to this idea that he, people, you are being controlled, you're being manipulated. And, and he said, there's a great quote actually I like in this. He said, slow yesing is one of the most, most popular forms of control. And what he meant by that was like, they're just going to make me like, there's going to be red tape and there's a bureaucracy and it's going to take forever and blah, blah, blah. And they, they're going to basically, they're going to disincentivize him to do stuff by kind of agreeing, but doing it so slowly that it's not, it's not worth it. And yeah. it's, become slow yesing. So they're not technically telling him no, they're just slow yesing you. 
to make your life miserable, which is a form of control. Um, And I love that he's waking up to that because he's spot on with that. That is what's going on in our culture everywhere. Yeah. And I think for anyone who's still like, oh, well, he's insane or he's, again, I think everyone's dealt with, deals with certain types of mental health issues. And also, also throughout history, a lot of the greatest artists, the ones who I believe have channeled the divine, people have viewed them as being mad. <laughs> like, like that for me, it's sort of like, he's not the only genius who is channeling something in my opinion that is divine and who has suffered, who has struggled with different personal demons and that of course he has. Can you imagine producing something like this if you hadn't? I was reading, um, I know we're going to be doing book club in November and uh, I was reading the book that we're doing, the coddling of the American mind. And this quote stuck out to me. Uh, It's, I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I don't know who this is. I'm ignorant. It's Ming Zhu or Minkius from the fourth century BCE. And it says, when heaven is about to confer a great responsibility on any man, it will exercise his mind with suffering and subject his sinews and bones to hard work and expose his body to hunger, put him to poverty, place obstacles in the paths of his deeds so as to stimulate his mind, harden his nature and improve wherever he is incompetent. Um, that stuck out to me because for a couple of reasons, but, um, one of the, one of the other, it also made me think of when I first became a Christian and I started trying to make some changes in my life. I had a friend who told me, you, you're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare, meaning now from a Christian perspective, this is, you, you may just, I know you do, but from a Christian perspective, she was sort of like, when you're not on the right path, the devil is happy. He's not messing with you (laughs) because you're not on the right path. But when you start trying to get on the right path or to follow whatever path it is that God wants for you in life, whatever your purpose is for God, then you're going to have a ton of obstacles and roadblocks and things pop up and you're going to have a lot of conflict because suddenly Satan is taking interest in the fact that you're trying to get, you're trying to follow God. And so in thinking about that, it's like, I think it's a necessary part of getting on the path is you're going to have conflict and struggle. And he's probably, um, his lyrics are so positive right now. And I just, I would pray that he is prepared for things getting in his way and making him doubt his faith and making him question things and question himself. And anyway, and then, oh, now, I'm new at this. So yeah. And I identify with that because I'm new at this. So yeah. and by the way, anybody watching who is a Christian, please pray for me right now. <laughs> I've got my own struggles. Maybe that's why I identify with this so much. I'm like, ah. Atheists can send her money on Subscribestar, though. Atheists can, <laughs> <laughs> Atheists can support me, but can support the show, support the show financially. Christians, please send your prayers. <laughs> hey, why do we but, send money? Wait a minute. Yeah, you got you to send money. <laughs> well, no, but I think part of that, part of the reason I'm struggling with stuff right now, too, is because I am, I think, for the first time in my life, um, I've been on this path for the past couple of years of, of trying to do what God wants me to do and um, hitting some pitfalls and getting too cocky about, about things and not, and not seeing the obstacles that are in the way and not seeing uh, 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 justifying the times when my behavior does not fit God's commandments and not uh, kind of, kind of being 
purposefully um, blind to where that could lead me to stumble. So anyway, it's I mean, look, it's hard to change psychologically. It's hard to make uh, it's hard to make big changes in your life, and it's especially hard to make big changes for the better because doing things the right way is often more difficult anyway. And usually, you've surrounded yourself in life with people who support your uh, current path. And so, if you make a big change. Uh, very few of those people will go along with that change. Most of those people will, even if it's not intentionally, uh, they will subvert, they will attempt to subvert, subvert your change and subvert your betterment. So um, that's why you end up losing a lot of friends. That's why you end up going through a lot of hardship. It's, you know, it's difficult to make a big change like that. And And a fundamental change affects everything and everyone around you who, you know, Maybe there's some people around you who know they should change too. And they resent the fact that you're sure, like they can't let you change because then it shows that change is possible. And like, so <laughs> they need to keep you down. Um, there's, there's a lot, oh, you, yeah. you know, generally you have an entire support structure all about going in the direction you're going. So if you go a different direction, it's absolutely very, very difficult. It's very hard. And you lose a lot of friends well, and a lot of support. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but, um, Jordan Peterson and Mike Cernovich, two guys that couldn't be more different in many ways, have both written about this. Um, I, I, Peterson's book, uh, 12 Rules for Life, and then I think it was in uh, Cernovich's Guerrilla Mindset book, but they talked about how, you know, and Ed Lattimore, that boxer that I follow, he's talked about this too, but when you start to improve yourself in any way, there are going to be people around you who don't want you to improve yourself because they, they want you to stay in the muck with them. And, you know, it's like if you start going to the gym and you've got a friend who doesn't support you in that and makes nasty, like, comments over snide comments about it or because they don't, because you're making them feel bad about their own bad behavior or their lack of good habits, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a real thing. Well, let's hope that, uh, let's hope that Kanye doesn't, uh, I don't know, have some catastrophic backsliding but i think you know it's interesting he's he's, you know i think i think this is good even as an atheist i think it's good i would rather have this kind of rap than uh you know rape murder and worshiping of of getting high all the time which is seems like it's 98 percent of of other rap music that's out there yeah and and you know just using women and um, one other quick thing we, you and I, you may not know about this cause we haven't talked about it and, but there've been a couple of, uh, sort of famous Christ, Christian celebrities who've mm-hmm. publicly recanted their faith recently. Oh, really? Yes. There's been two of them that I know of and I didn't know a lot about these guys. I didn't know, even know who they were. I just saw the news on some of my Christian friends, um, pages and I was reading about them. And one of them was like a pretty famous guy who wrote a book about courtship and, um, abstaining from sex until marriage and dating and stuff. And, uh, what I think is, I think about those two guys because, because again, that's the danger of making someone a Christian celebrity and putting too much faith in them as if, or any person in your life, putting too much faith in the Christian in your life and expecting them to be perfect. But what, what I think is interesting about this is you've got guys like that who came off as presumably, this is just my interpretation of them, but it seemed to me they came off as squeaky clean and perfect and doing and saying all the right things. And probably, I don't know, but probably were brought up in the church and, you know, this was their whole entire life was God. And then, 
and then they get sucked into the modern culture. They get pulled away and they make these public um, uh, confessions of not, no longer being a believer. And then you've got someone like Kanye, who's the unlikeliest person who comes from the culture, the, the, the nihilistic culture, the, the He's culture. He's the Mary Magdalene of rap. He's the Mary Magdalene of rap. He's married to Kim Kardashian, who literally got famous for sex tape. Like right. they are the unlikeliest couple. And which, by the way, is funny. I don't know if this is true, but I did hear somebody told me that he supposedly is asked that she dress more modestly. And I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> he did. Uh, there was, they but, had a fight on a reality television show about her uh, sexy attire for some photos <laughs> she was doing. Yes, that's true. That's true. Well, but anyway, so he's like, they're like the unlikeliest of people. And I was talking to a friend last night and she was like, that's the beautiful thing about Christ and about Christianity. She was like, no matter what you've done in your life, God doesn't look at you and see you. God looks at you and sees Jesus because that's, that's what dying on the cross was about. God looks at you and Jesus died so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all of your sin. He loves you and has already forgiven you before you've even asked for forgiveness because he looks at you and sees his son. And she was like, he chooses the unlikeliest of people. I mean, in the Bible, you've got, which one was it? Was it, was it Paul was the one? that was like a murderer. He murdered Christians. Well, he was Saul previously. Right? He was Saul previously. Yeah. And God chose him. And it's like, God chose Kanye for this album. God uses people, in my opinion, that you would not expect. And it's, um, I think, I don't know. I just think that's really beautiful. So anyway, I'm sorry, this became a Christian episode. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, we have, I think we have uh, atheist type episodes sometimes. I don't know. Maybe not. Well, hopefully the atheists will still find this interesting. You don't have to agree with my belief system to understand. Well, look, I, I mean, just to be clear to atheists that are listening out there, I find it interesting precisely because uh, while I don't agree with Christianity, um, I do agree with um, the importance of having meaning in life and a moral code that's, that's your code that you've chosen in your own relationship with your morality, not... Uh, not following the whims of the mob and being bullied by culture. And I do think there's a lot wrong with culture. So like, even though I'm not Christian, a lot of Christian tradition is correct. I think like Jordan Peterson talks about kind of um, capturing, uh, well, I'll just say like heuristic discoveries that have worked for humankind, right? And then have it codified in terms of religion, um, you know, I do think the family is very important. I do think kids are or wonderful and are very important. I I I do think that we should do, like move away from a, a hedonistic, drug-induced, nihilistic, crazy culture. Like all those things, I agree with. And while I don't use Christianity to make arguments to move in that direction, and that's not how I live my life, uh, I would certainly, as an atheist, I'd certainly rather live in a Christian West than, uh, you know, a communist nihilistic West. Yeah. I, I, I'll, you know, I'll take the, I'll take the old Puritans over Stalin any day. You should, you guys should know, uh, Carter yesterday we were talking about personal stuff and he was like, listen, Carrie, as your atheist friend, I'm telling you, you need to go back to church. <laughs> I did say that. He was like, you need to be hanging out with your Christian friends right now. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> right, because you're you were hanging out with horrible, horrible people, and at least they have your best interest in mind. 
I wasn't hanging out with horrible people. I just was hanging out with people that didn't encourage the best. Right. Sorry. That's my, my way of describing people that don't encourage the best in her is horrible, horrible people. We just have a disagreement about the label. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, Carrie, I'm sure many Christians will be praying for you now. And uh, Christians and atheists will support us on Subscribestar so we can keep going. And <laughs> there we go. I like how you turn that into a Subscribestar thing at the end. That's funny. Um, um, well, any uh, other any other comments you want to men- remind people of book club? Because we may not have a Kofefi tomorrow. I'm sorry, but we might we might not. I don't know. Um, remind people of book club. Yeah, if Carter doesn't have power, we won't be doing Kofefi. Book club is going to be on Sunday, November seventeenth. And if you, we are reading The Coddling of the American Mind uh, by Jonathan Haidt and uh, Greg Lukiana, is that how you say it? And um, you guys, if you want to get a copy of it, we have a book club page on our website, unsafespace.com. If you click on it and buy it through our link, we get like a penny or something through our affiliate program. Um, but then also, uh, if you want to be a part of the video, we do live video discussions for book club. You don't have to be a part of it. You can just follow along the chat. But if you want to be in the video discussion, send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com. Yep. All right. Thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll see you possibly tomorrow.